Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your cause upon his horn. Hello, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. Hey, man, we're in the middle of the week. Can you believe it? It's already happening. Already Wednesday. Every, every week, it's just one day at a time we get there. We do it a day at a time, and today's day is a Psalm 20 day. Psalm 20. I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible today. All right. I want to talk about this really first layer of application in this psalm today, what, what it was really being used for during the time it was written. I, I want us to hang back there for a while and just think about some of the things there. So let's read with that in mind. And Psalm 20 in the Christian Standard Bible, May the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offering. May he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. Let us shout for joy at your victory and lift the banner in the name of our God. May the Lord fulfill all your requests. Now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with miraculous victories from his right hand. Some take pride in a chariot and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. May he answer us on the day that we call. So when you talk about, uh, let's think about where this was in its original setting, we are reminded that there was a time when God had a covenant people on earth, Israel, with a promised land that they inhabited, Canaan land, right? Palestine, uh, what we think of as Palestine today, Israel, and a king to lead those people, an anointed leader chosen by God, uh, in the Psalms, we're thinking about King David, of course, but there was a lot of writing in the scriptures leading up to this kingship and some preparation made even when God was giving the law through Moses about how these people would be governed and led, um, the relationship that he would have with the king and the importance of the king recognizing who God is in all of it. There was a real danger, Andrew, with the Lord setting up an earthly king. Mm-hmm. And the real danger is when I set up the earthly king, folks might forget who the real king is. That is a great danger because they're going to see the earthly king, the true and living God, is unseen. And I believe, my, my personal opinion is that God always had the plan to give Israel a king. I know we could talk about when it actually happened with Saul and Samuel, and I know some folks look at that and think that God did not want Israel to have a king, but kind of caves and gives in on him. But I think I think God always had the plan to give him the king because I think he was always looking forward to Jesus being the king. Mm. And you, you just mentioned a minute ago that the law talks about the kings. I, I'm thinking about Deuteronomy chapter 17 sure. when, when the law actually says that. In Deuteronomy 17 and verse 4, when you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you and you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only 
he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. How striking is it? How striking is it that there is this warning about horses and multiplying horses? Yeah. In our psalm today, Psalm 20, there's this specific contrast made about people who put their trust in chariots and in horses, but we put our trust in God. And the ones that put their trust in the chariots and horses, they're the ones that fall, according to Psalm 20, but the ones that put their trust in the Lord, they're the ones who will arise. So um, what's that about, calling out the kings early on, saying (laughs) no horses? Well, it goes back, I think, to what I was stressing a moment ago, and that is that that God was putting himself in a very vulnerable position to allow for this human king Mm -hmm. because people would forget who the real king is. The real king is not this person sitting on the throne, whether Saul or David or Solomon or Rehoboam or Jeroboam or any of these people. The real king is supposed to be God. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when he sets up a king, what he says is, is I don't want you to act like the kings of the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. I don't want you acting like these these men who become king and then start trying to display their own grandeur and power. I don't want you building up horses and by extension of that and implication chariots. Sure. Remember, the horses of Egypt drove chariots, which is what chased Israel into the Red Sea and the chariots got bogged down so that by implication that's included here. He says, I don't want you doing that. I don't want you being like Pharaoh. I don't want you being like Jabin. I don't want you being like uh, Hamor. I don't want you being like any of these kings who, who, when they're going out to fight, they're stretching their own muscles or flexing mm-hmm. their own muscles. They're trying to show their own power and strength. And then, of course, also don't multiply wives and don't multiply gold and silver. This idea of bringing uh, aggrandizement and praise and accord to yourself. Remember who the real king is. I was just going to say, it sounds like to step into this role of king of God's people, or to even be a king among men, is to set yourself in a place of, of great temptations to lead you away from God, to put trust in this might of these chariots and these horses, uh, to let your greed get the best of you, or the eyes and your lust, whatever. But but God God goes away, and you begin to think that you are far more than you are. And so here is a prayer in that day of David. And of course, could be offered with any of the kings of Israel who are going to follow God, but they are praying for their king. And one of the bases for their prayer is, hey, we're following what you said about the king. Mm-hmm. Our king's heart's desire is really the same as your heart's desire, Lord. And so we're asking you to save our king. Why would they ask for God to save the king? It, talk about God putting himself in a vulnerable position to make a human king. Mm-hmm. Whenever the king is going out into the battle, the entire nation is putting themselves in a vulnerable position. Because when you go to battle, what is a real possibility? Yeah, you're risking your life and you may die. And if the king goes out there and dies, now we've got this whole nation that is like a flock without a shepherd. Yeah, without leadership. There's no leader. There's no one to tell him to go out and to come in. There's no one to... to be the head. There's no one to be this thing. And, you know, in Judges, though, I do think ultimately Judges is is talking about God with this. There is still that refrain. There was no king in the land and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. And they remembered what that was like. That that took Israel into the darkest period of time when there was no king. And now 
Lord, you've sent our king out to battle because when Israel battled properly, it was only in defense of the Lord, in the defense of the Lord's people, and that it wasn't, they they weren't um, conquerors. You know, God had the land that he was giving Israel, but they weren't going out just conquering all across. They weren't trying to do what Assyria or Babylon or Egypt were trying to do. That wasn't Israel's plan. Israel's plan was, here's our land. Uh, The the folks that were here are being judged because of their sin. The God of the universe Mm -hmm. is judging them. It it wasn't the kind of conquest that most kings went on. It was, Lord, we've got your plan in mind, and so we're praying for our king, David, Solomon, Rehoboam. Problem is, a lot of those kings didn't actually follow God's law for Israel or the kings. It's true. I mean, when we look at those warnings given that you just read in Deuteronomy, we see how a great king like King Solomon violated all of them, and he was about multiplying horses and wives and gold and and the whole deal. Mm -hmm. Um, When we look at Psalm 20 and we see it as a, a prayer and a meditation, perhaps on the eve of battle, um, it puts me in mind as well of Deuteronomy chapter 20 and some of this other preparation given okay. in the law, yeah, tell where me it about says that. in the scripture there, when you go out, De- Deuteronomy 20 verse 1, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So there it is said in verse 2 that the priest has a role here to be reminding the people of who their God is. And I see how this psalm, Psalm 20, would be such a poetic and powerful way to do that. So there's the direction that the priest is giving the people, but then there's on behalf of the people offering up this prayer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. What, a, what a reminder it is. Our God saves the anointed. This is the Lord's anointed. He is the one that's going out and fighting this battle. Our God is with him, and we're praying on behalf of him. We are praying this blessing mm-hmm. on his behalf, and we know that God's going to grant it because this is what he has promised all the way along. When... We are surrendering and submitting. You know, imagine what a terrifying prayer this might be if you realize you're one of the chariot drivers. <laughs> wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You, you mean we're not supposed to be trusting in this? Why are we driving a chariot here, Solomon? <laughs> Why are we driving a chariot here, Jeroboam? Right. Why, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the guy driving the chariot because that's not who we're supposed to trust in. So what an interesting thing that this psalm would be, even of instruction at, on the eve of battle. Hey, where, where is my trust? Where is my hope? Yeah, and it's not all hanging on the chariot or the chariot driver either, is it? <laughs> I, I, think about, uh, I think about a place where this—I I know this psalm is not specifically mentioned, but I think about the battle that Jehoshaphat fought in, uh, what's like Second Second Chronicles, Chronicles 20 or something like that. Um, let's see here. Yeah, Second Chronicles chapter 20. We've got Jehoshaphat and Moab and Ammon and mm-hmm. Edom have lined up against them, and Jehoshaphat is looking, and he realizes, I got nothing here. 
I, th- this our, so outnumbered, so outgunned. Yeah, I, and he he just turns to the Lord and says, "Our eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. You know, you told us to leave these folks alone when we came into the promised land, and we did. And now look at what they're doing to us. They're rising up against us. Are you going to judge them for this? Because they're too big for us. They're too much for us. So we have no idea what to do. But our eyes are on you." Is, is that the battle where they actually went singing yes. to the battlefield? Is that the one? Yes, okay. it sure is. And they called to mind, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever, which actually is a quote from several of the Psalms. Yeah, we read I mean, that in the Psalms, This is we? a Psalm of praise. It's that a psalm. statement that's used over and over again. I can imagine how they would pray Psalm 20. Mm-hmm. At a time like what's going on in Second Chronicles twenty, we you know we want our king to live, we want our army to live. We God, we know that you're going to be with your anointed, and so we're putting our trust in you. And that's exactly what they did in Second Chronicles twenty. They put their trust in God. God said, "I'll fight for you. Mm-hmm. You you don't have to do anything. You just sit there and watch." Mm-hmm. They didn't have to go out on the battlefield, mm-hmm. and they put the priests and the singers out front. That's right. They go singing to the battlefield. <laughs> As I recall, and then when they get there, God has already done the fighting. This is one of those occasions where the the enemies are turning their swords on each other, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I had to tell you, that puts me in mind of, I I remember one time a fellow telling me a story about he he joined the army. I was like, oh, no kidding, why'd you want to join the army? Because I wanted to be in the army band. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if you know that, but all all branches of the military actually have a band, you know, and it's I, I do know it's that. kind of a it's a PR move, and it's something that they I, I grew up. My dad was in the Air Force, and so we were always at schools by Air Force bases, and you'd have the Air Force band come and visit. It was really a a pretty spectacular thing. So you know, well, when you, you jo- think of all the men in a branch of service, I'm sure it is. A big deal. Oh, to, it is to make it into those bands. Oh man, it yeah. absolutely is because yeah. you're you're again you're the the PR the tip of the PR spear, but you know what you're not? What's that? You're not the tip of the battle spear. Mm. In fact, uh, you know, when you're going into the band, mm-hmm. you're kind of hoping maybe you won't see the battle. But what <laughs> what uh, what happens here is Jehoshaphat says, hey, we're putting the band up front. <laughs> we're putting what? the we're what? putting the choir up front. Yeah. And Some of the priests uh, out there. So you know, imagine what faith it takes to say, no, I'm trusting in the Lord. So I'll mm-hmm. go ahead. I'm going to I'm going to be at the front of this group and I don't have a sword and I don't have a spear. I'm just going to sing and pray and praise the Lord. Man, that's faith. And that's the faith of Psalm 20. Yeah. And that's that's the vein in which Psalm 20 is prayed for the kings of Israel whose hearts are in line with God and the ability to send them out to battle and knowing that God is going to be with them because they have been with God. Yeah. What a wonderful psalm. We're going to talk more about it tomorrow and Friday. We'd like to know what you're thinking about the psalm, what you've been learning, what you're reading someplace else. We'd love to hear from you. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's wrap up with a prayer, Andrew. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer today. Father, as we've looked at this psalm again and we've thought about kings like David and Jehoshaphat, Solomon, Father, we see that there are many things that likewise might tempt our eye away from you, and how easily, Father, we might misplace our trust into the latest technology, to our own might, to our own resources, our own wealth, what have you. Father, that that we might be tempted to, to trust in anything besides you. Forgive us for that. Build up our faith. We want to trust you and only you in all things, Father, because we know when we trust you, you are the true God who delivers you save, and we shall rise in you. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.